Hello and welcome to episode 1 of Ireland's Vanishing Triangle. Ireland's Vanishing Triangle refers to the unexplained disappearances of six young women throughout the eastern and midland regions of the Republic of Ireland during the 1990s. However, it has long been suspected that numerous other cases may be linked to the aforementioned six cases. This podcast will consist of 10 episodes. One case will feature per episode covering a period of 16 years between 1987 and 2003. So if you are interested in unsolved mysteries, true crime and a little bit of history then hopefully this podcast will be for you. On the first episode of the series, I want to begin in the summer of 1987 with the unsolved murder of Antoinette Smith, originally from Crumlin in Dublin's inner city, who by July 1987 was living in Clendalkin in the southwest of Dublin. <clears throat> Just to quickly take you back to July 1987. A young Kylie Minogue released the hit single Locomotion. In Irish news, Stephen Roach became the first Irish person to win the Tour de France. And in true crime news, Klaus Barbie, known as the Butcher of Leon, was sentenced to life inside a French prison. In the early afternoon of Saturday, the 11th of July, a warm clear day with temperatures of 20 degrees Celsius, 27 year old Antoinette Smith left her home in Kilmahudrick Court in Clindalkin to attend a David Bowie concert at Slane Castle. Antoinette began her trip by meeting a friend for drinks in two local pubs. The two friends then took the number 56 bus to O'Connell Street in Dublin City where they purchased two tickets for the concert along with two David Bowie t-shirts. Mother of two, Antoinette Smith, then boarded a bus with her friend that would take her to Slane Castle in County Mead, some 30 miles north of Dublin City. At some time between 9.30 and 10pm that night the concert ended and Antoinette and her friend returned to Dublin City by bus, arriving there at roughly 11pm. The two friends then decided to continue their night out by attending the now closed nightclub known as La Mirage on Parnell Street just off O'Connell Street. At the nightclub they met two male friends and stayed there until 2am. After leaving La Mirage, Antoinette's friend, who she had attended the concert with, decided to go home. Before leaving, she left Antoinette a key to her house so Antoinette could spend the night there. By 2.30am, Antoinette's two other friends 
decided to go home to the North Dublin suburb of Ballymun by taxi. This information has since been confirmed by Gardaí. Before leaving, Antoinette's two friends saw her walking towards O'Connell Bridge on the left-hand side of O'Connell Street, past the Gresham Hotel and the famous Dublin City landmark known as Cleary's Clock. Shockingly, this would be the last confirmed sighting of 27-year-old Antoinette Smith. She was reported missing three days later by her ex-husband, Carl. Now, just to quickly take you forward in time to the spring of 1988. The 3rd of April, Easter Sunday, was a warm, clear day. So no doubt many people in Ireland decided to spend the day outside, as the weather is usually terrible through the first three months of the year. A young family decided to have a picnic in the Dublin and Wicklow Mountains in a place known as Glendoo Mountain just off Military Road. After the family had finished their picnic, the family's three children decided to play hide and seek. While playing hide and seek, the three three children aged 7, 10 and 12 made a terrifying discovery of human remains. Some 31 years later, the youngest of the children, Eamon, gave a reaccountment of the event to Ireland's national broadcaster for the long-running TV show known as Primetime. I recall Easter Sunday, as the weather was fine, my mother had arranged a picnic. I was seven and my sisters were ten and twelve. As it was Easter Sunday, there were several other groups of walkers, families and tourists out for the day. I recall when we had finished our picnic, we were allowed to explore and play in the area around where we had eaten and my parents were sitting. The area was a raised bog, rugged with patches of gorse bush. My sisters and I started playing hide and seek. I recall climbing into a ditch to hide. It was more than two metres wide and about a metre deep. One of my sisters came to seek me out. As she peered over the ditch, she spotted me crouched down. But she was alarmed at what she saw in the area directly behind where I was hiding. She saw the partially covered human remains in the ditch. I think I was too young to recognise what I had seen. I recall weathered plastic bags which were buried. My sisters called out for my parents who were close by. When they saw the remains in the ditch I believe they fully understood the nature of the discovery. I remember my father suggesting we say a prayer. As we left the area I can recall my father recording the location of the site 
and counting the miles on the clock as we drove to the nearest police station. For the want of a better expression, an excellent account from Eamon. No doubt this was a terrifying experience for such young children and their parents. Something that will no doubt stay with them for the rest of their lives. As with all murder scenes at the time in Ireland, the forensic examination was carried out by Professor John Harbison. Professor Harbison concluded that the victim most likely died through asphyxiation as there was no evidence of trauma or gunshot wounds. Two plastic bags had been placed on the victim's head with the inner bag knotted around their neck but it could not be established if the bags were placed on the victim when they were alive. The t-shirt the victim was wearing was too badly decomposed to establish the design or colour of it. However, the t-shirt was washed and soaked in a formula which established that it was white with pink lettering. The letters read Bowie Slain Castle 87 on the front and there was a picture of David Bowie's face. The letters on the back read Big Country who are the support the support act at Slane 87. This discovery led Gardy to believe that the person found on Glendoo Mountain was Antoinette Smith, who by then had been missing for nearly nine months. But this could not be fully confirmed yet. The victim was also wearing jeans, a denim jacket and size 5 navy blue high heels. However, the Texaco sports bag Antoinette had with her on the night she vanished was nowhere to be seen. In fact, it has never been found. In one of the pockets of the victim's jeans, a single key was found. This key did not match the door to Antoinette's home but it did match the front door of Antoinette's friend's home. Clearly, this was the key that Antoinette's friend had given to her in the early morning hours of the 12th of July, 1987. This confirmed to authorities that the person found on Glendoo Mountain was 27-year-old mother of two, Antoinette Smith. Now, welcome back, and thank you for listening for so long. Antoinette's body was lucky to be found, so to speak, as heavy rain over the winter 
and early spring had caused the soil to collapse around the bog and makeshift grave. <clears throat> However, the killer or killers did have a nine-month head start on the authorities. As the investigation began, numerous appeals for information were made through the newspapers, television and radio. These appeals led to the emergence of three potential witnesses. The first possible witness was a Dublin-based taxi man. Now, there has been some doubt cast on this witness's testimony, mainly because they did not come forward to Gardaí for over a year and they did not know Antoinette Smith personally. So I'll just give a quick rundown of their story. At 3.30am on the morning of the 12th of July, 87, the taxi man picked up two men and a woman who he thought was Antoinette Smith from a taxi rank on Westmoreland Street in Dublin City. He drove the three individuals to Ratfarnham in South Dublin at the foothills of the Dublin and Wicklow Mountains, roughly nine miles from Glendu Mountain. The taxi man described the first man as short with dark parted hair that ran down his face and he spoke with a strong Dublin accent. The second man was described as very tall with short dark hair. The men were also described as intimidating as they openly discussed robbing the taxi man. Usually around Easter time every year, there are articles written and appeals made about Antoinette Smith's case. For the last number of years, there is no reference made to the taxi man's account. The last reference I can find to it is in the book Missing Presumed by retired Garda detective Alan Bailey, which was released in 2014. There was an article written by the great crime journalist Barry Cummings in 2019 in, we, in which he discusses how a cold case review identified some evidential differences from the original investigation. The Guardi's website states that Antoinette was last seen on O'Connell Street at 2.30am and there is no reference to Rat Farnham or the taxi man's account. The second witness to come forward was a dog walker. At 6am on the morning of the 12th of July 87, this man was walking his three dogs in an area of the Dublin and Wicklow Mountains known as Crua Wood, roughly three miles south of Glendu Mountain. The man began his walk by walking up uphill on a trail through the woods. While walking up the trail, he spotted a lone male walking towards him. Initially, the lone male did not see the, the dog walker. When he did eventually spot 
the dog walker he stopped suddenly and then continued walking as the dog walker and the lone male passed each other the dog walker said hello but the man said nothing and he also made an attempt to hide his face by turning his head away after the men passed each other the dog walker spotted a second man lower down the hill standing in the trees eventually the first man the witness saw and the man in the in the trees joined up and began walking down the hill together at this stage the witness feared that his car may be stolen as there was no other cars in the car park used for the woods the man quickly called his three dogs and began walking back down the hill towards the car park while walking back towards the car park the two men spotted the witness and sped up until the witness could not see them anymore the witness was adamant that the two men did not leave in a car as he was positive he would have heard a car drive away in such an isolated place the witness described the first man as in his mid-twenties with a thin face dark hair parted in the middle and wearing clothes that were unsuited for hiking unfortunately he was not able to get a good look at the second man and was unable to provide Gardy with a description of the man despite widespread appeals nobody has ever come forward to offer an explanation for this event the third report concerned a man flagging down a taxi in Ratfarnham during the early morning hours of the 12th of July the taxi driver told Gardy that the man appeared dishevelled and was out of breath he told the taxi man that this was because his car had broken down the man was driven to the Walkingstown roundabout in South Dublin and exited the taxi at the Walkingstown Avenue junction of the roundabout where he went then is unknown similarly to the two previous witness accounts nobody has come forward to the guardee to offer an explanation for this event unfortunately it has been close to 36 years since this heinous crime was committed and nobody has ever been convicted for the murder of Antoinette Smith nor does it seem any arrests have been made and no suspects have ever been made known to the public the case was reviewed by the Garda serious crime review team in 2013 where some evidential deficiencies from the original investigation were identified the Gardaí also announced that some exhibits were examined but nothing of evidential value was recovered hopefully though this means that one day 
scientific advancements could help solve this case. What we do know is that the killer or killers were calculated and calm enough to, to pick a remote burial site and make a strong attempt at hiding Antoinette Smith's body and that they have managed to evade prosecution for 36 years. And that is about it, unfortunately. Most importantly, this episode and podcast is dedicated to Antoinette Smith. Anyone with information that could help solve this crime is urged to contact Bray Garda Station where there is an incident room on 01665300. Crime Stoppers on 1800250025 or the Garda Confidential Line on 1800-666-1. On the next episode, I'll be covering another unsolved murder case, this time from 1991. Now, just to finally thank some people. My family for their patience and support. Soundcaster Studios for, their in- for the intro music. Daniel Lim for IT. The Instagram page known as Coffee, Wine and Crime 2022. Ran by the brilliant hell. She really has put together some great Instagram stories on numerous Irish cold cases. So please give them a follow. Thanks to the authors and journalists Barry Cummings and Sarah McInerney for their books and finally the Kildare based singer songwriter known as Rory Glanders who writes and sings the song I will now play thank you for listening